0: So, um, when you think about this passage, and, and for some of you, it is uh, probably, uh, you know, you just have this list of names, uh, you heard Lanny uh, reading them, and you kind of think, like, I'm not sure how I would pronounce that, that, you know, he's, he's trying to pronounce it, I'm trying to think about how I would, and that's kind of how I go through that every week when I'm reading a series of names, you know, because they're not names that are used to, that we're, we, we see every day or hear every day. And this is the last uh, sermon in Colossians from the standpoint of just working through the text. And it is, it's is—it's a greeting and a, a kind of a commendation, like he's commending you uh, to, to them, certain people. And so today we are going to be looking at that and thinking about uh, the lives that, uh, that, that have impacted Paul and that are, are impacting these people. And that's a big deal. And I, I just just in saying that, Uh, One of the things we know that uh, Christianity is uh, based on biblical truths. Like we read the Bible, we understand it, uh, we study it, uh, we encourage each other in it. It is written to us in a way that helps us with regard to our faith and practice. Uh, And so as a result, like it's a written word. We don't have to think like, well, I want to understand who God is and we make it up or anything like that. We don't have to go out in the middle of some desert and uh, have some experience, you know. Uh, we, we don't have to do any of those things. What we do is we go to the Word of God as revealed to us. It is a written Word. It is to be understood. There's clarity in it. And uh, even though we may not agree on every single thing together, we understand that there is a, a clear understanding uh, laid out for us for faith and practice. Uh, one of the things for... Uh, people of God as they walk through this life is that you have the knowledge of the word and then you say, okay, as I try to move this into practice, oftentimes one of the most helpful things is that you have people that are walking alongside you that are setting an example. Uh, Sometimes they're a negative example. You see them throughout the Bible. The Bible's not like, Hey, hide all the skeletons of difficult things in the closet. The Bible's clear that there are all kinds of difficulties and sinful people out there. Other than Jesus, uh, no one ever walked this earth without sin, right? And so we know that, and we understand that. But there, there, are, there are examples to us of people that have walked faithfully. He's going to use some today that will be a benefit to this church in Colossae. Uh, and you have those uh, both as an example here but also those in your life. I hope that you could look back and say, I know people who knew the Word of God, sought to live it out. They struggled along the way. They were not perfect. They did not have it all together all the time. Uh, they had good and bad things that kind of went along. And, and their lives look like God is working in them and they're striving to live a godly life. And it looked like they're moving closer and closer to Jesus and being conformed to His image, but it wasn't perfect. And so, um, I, I think it's important, though, again, that we have people in our lives that we can look to. And, and I have had that. And I could probably sit down and make a list of, you know, 20, 30, 40 people that I thought, you know, at particular times, like, God used them in a certain way. And those are a blessing to us. And I think we celebrate them. And, um, and I, I always think of, like, as far as just an older man in the faith Uh, and I've mentioned y'all this guy before but his name is Dewey Hamilton and uh, I I grew up in a church and then worked in that church and people would call uh, the office and ask for in that context they would call people brother you know like if they thought of him as kind of a minister in the church but he never worked in in the church in any formal fashion but they call call and say his brother Dewey there and what they were saying, they're calling for him as if he were like at the office every day and you could call him and ask him questions or have him come or whatever. And he did. He would go and visit people and serve people and bless people. And uh, Brother Dew, he didn't have like an easy road. His life was uh, really difficult. His wife was very, very sick for like probably 30 or 40 years. But he's probably one of the greatest servants to uh, the church. He was not, he was a, He, he there was a great level of self-forgetfulness in his life. You know, you meet some people when you think like they, their whole life they've been thinking about themselves and then they say, I'm gonna get life to a point to where everything that I want for myself will work out. That was like the last thing on his mind. And so he was an example. He was somebody that I could imitate, somebody I could think about, somebody that I, I would want to emulate and uh, i think we should have those and i think god does give us those and i think you're going to see a few this morning and um it's kind of like uh, again they're not all vocational ministers here it doesn't appear um and so because sometimes in the christian world you'll have these people and be like well the super christians or those in ministry or whatever and and that's just not you know i don't know if that's really helpful uh a lot of times i think that's unfortunate so uh, a couple of things um, that I want to mention to you, just why it's important. Like, you want formal instruction. You want to know the Word of God. And then, you also, um, you just, you need people that you can imitate. 1 Thessalonians 1.6 says this, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the Word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Philippians 3 says, um, Paul says he's pressing on towards the goal of maturity, Uh, to Christ's likeness, to being conformed fully to the image of Christ. And he says, let those of you who are mature think in this way of pursuing Christ. And if in anything uh, you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Verse 17 says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And so I think it's important. You're always saying, look for good people. Now, if you're like a young person here... Uh, thinking about the friends that you have in your life you can have foolish friends and you can have wise friends I I just think it's important to say you can have somebody that's like two or three years older than you and at this point that feels like a really long time and you can look up to them and think man they're really cool and they could be real jerks and you're following them around thinking oh they're really neat and cool and I want to you know you need to like you surround yourself with people that are following the Lord, and that people that will um, that will encourage you and help you strive towards serving the Lord. Humble people, hardworking people, servant people who love the Lord, and, and you just get around them, and you watch them, and you—they're not perfect people, but you're wanting to surround yourself with people that you can say. Uh, both in doctrine and life, they're just striving towards the things of God. They love the Word of God, and they love the people of God, and they want to see others reach for the kingdom of God. And you just get around that kind of group. That's important. I think it's it's really, really important that we know who those people are. Some people are very unwise about who they listen to. So, some of you have a very... Uh, bad filter at this point some of you don't realize that if you don't uh if you don't monitor what you listen to all the time it is going to affect you you know the voices in your head are in part uh, those things that maybe from childhood you've had and in part maybe from what you just feed in there all the time and so uh, I, I would just say Uh, Put yourself around, uh, have a discerning heart. Put yourself around people that will help you strive towards good things, you know, because there are going to be the people that bring out the worst in you. And so I just encourage you, this is an important passage just to say, hey, these people are watching uh, their lives and their doctrine, and and that's extremely important. So uh, a couple of things real quick in Colossians as you think about it. Remember, he said, you're in the kingdom of light. You've been forgiven of sin, uh, of your sins. You've been reconciled to God. You have put on the new self. You have had a change of heart. You're striving to put on attitudes and behaviors that would reflect that. You're striving to live that way in your relationships. And so that's extremely important to see. And uh, you're striving to reach out to the world that's lost. Without hope, without the gospel, without a love for Christ, without a knowledge of Him, you're striving to reach them. So then you're saying to yourself, uh, are there people, since I'm young in the faith, are there people that, that, that Paul would say, hey, put yourself around these people, welcome these people, be encouraged by these people, because they're moving towards the things that God would intend for you to move towards. So, that's what we're looking at this morning. We are saying, Hey, within the Christian community abroad, there are going to be people, Paul's going to send their way that's going to help them understand uh, the things of God and encourage them in walking in a faithful way. They'll be good examples. And so uh, a couple of things that we'll look at here, again, he's commending certain people to them and then greeting them, kind of as a final way of saying hey, uh, thank you for what you're doing, those in the church there. So that's where, we're, that's where we're at this morning. So let's start in verse 7 and 8. This is kind of just about faithfulness. Faithfulness in doing the, 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 the work that God has you to do. Just It's about a basic thing, just being faithful. A lot of people, I think, um, think that, uh, you know, a lot of people will think of a church as, uh, in a good place if it's big or if it is, uh, you know, maybe has really nice stuff or whatever. They'll, they have all of these earthly thoughts about what it means. Or some people might even say, you know, God's favors on that person because they have a lot, you know. not It, it has nothing to do with their faithfulness to God. It, it has very little actually to do. You think, uh, that's, that's a strange thing. It, it, it's interesting because I think what we're looking at here is saying, look, Paul's going to speak of people who are faithful. And he's saying, setting that before them. So he says about Tychicus, he says, uh, he's going to speak to you. I mean, Tychicus is kind of like, he's going to tell you about my activities. He's kind of uh, sent out as a, as a messenger to them. You could say a mailman in a way. He's going to bring a letter and talk to them and encourage them. He's a beloved brother, so Paul, there's a love for him and a faithful minister. Again, I don't think that has to mean like, again, vocationally. He's faithfully serving the church. He's a fellow servant in the Lord. And he was sent for the purpose to deliver these things to them and encourage them. And so the Lord sends him there. And um, he's going to have like a personal message from Paul. He's delivering letters for Paul likely maybe he doesn't even have a public ministry that would be something you'd be like oh you know for some of us in our uh I, again i don't know if it's always sound thinking we may think that somebody that has a public ministry is of greater value in our lives than somebody that doesn't again think it's unwise think it's foolish if i look at the my life i don't it's not just the uh I don't know podcast that I've listened to that's an influencer in my life. God has sent all kinds of believers in my life who have spoke truth to me, encouraged me, challenged me and set before me the way to live a godly life. Somebody that's 2000 miles away from me, I don't get to spend time with them, ask them questions, be encouraged by them and it, you know what I mean? It's in the life of the community. You know, and so these guys are this guy does come to them. He is going to speak to them. He is a faithful person and Paul's saying hey what he gives you is not something that's just kind of made up it is something I have sent him to do he has this work his work is maybe not that glamorous he probably comes there dirty he's been on long journeys for Paul he's given his life in service to churches you know welcome him another is Epaphras you see that verse 12 and 13 he's kind of a hometown guy it was funny when I was growing up in churches, you know, it would be like, uh, I don't know, a more well-known preacher uh, might come to town and everybody would be all ecstatic. You know, it's like, oh, you know, and they're listening to him. The preacher could have said the same thing last Sunday, but this guy said it. And they're all like, well, I mean, I'm telling you, I mean, that's legit. You know, like, that's going to change my life. And you're like, okay, you know, that's that's, I guess, maybe so, hopefully. But the real deal was... It's like you're looking at Epaphras, and you're saying, like, he's the guy that's been with them. And so Paul's just commending them before he's kind of like putting them him up there and saying, like, hello. Do y'all know what's going on here? What he's doing on your behalf? How he's striving for you, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always, struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. At the heart of this letter, it's about their maturity. It's about them growing up. It's about them moving forward in the advance of, of the gospel, but as a, in their own hearts and lives. It's about them not abandoning the, the faith. He was afraid that all these like voices that were coming to this church and maybe kind of getting an ear in this church was going to mess that up. And Epaphras has been there, probably planted this church maybe multiple churches in the region, and he's striving for their maturity through his prayers. He has bore witness to the gospel, but also through his prayers. He's begging God, keep these people faithful. Lead lead them and direct them. He's wrestling with the Lord in prayer. And sometimes people have this thing of, like, if your leadership's good, you have a winning personality, great bedside manner, you know... Then all those things are really, really important. But I mean, I think preaching and prayer are central to what you see in the New Testament, and this man embodies those things. He prays for their maturity, uh, that they would be, have a full assurance uh, in the, the will of God and understanding those things. And so, it's something that he is um, he, he is a blessing to them, and they need to see that. They need to. Uh, they, there might have even been some in the church be like, "There goes Epaphras." He's heading out to go see Paul because he thinks we're off base a little bit. And some of them might have been like, I don't know if I want to hear from him anymore. He always goes tells Paul what's going on with us. And then Paul sends us this letter and slaps us around a little bit over our, you know, crazy stuff. But it's interesting. Uh, this is what you see. He, his heart is for them. And so he, is, he has a burden of prayer for them. He's pleading for on their behalf, um, there's also Archippus here. You see, you see that he fulfills his ministry. Verse 17, again in this faithfulness thing, he is just he's calling him to faithfulness. So you're seeing kind of examples of faithfulness, but you also you see Paul's encouraging him to fulfill his ministry. He's pushing him forward, and so all of those things we would say, hey. Whatever the role is, faithfulness is at the heart of it. You just want to be found faithful. You see that throughout the Bible. Another thing, and just kind of moving through this list, is you see a, a level of fellowship here. And I think that's that's really important. In verse 9 and verse 12, verse 14, if you just kind of look at those real quick, um, you will see kind of both kind of local people and uh, you see Luke. But what is he saying? These are Greek-speaking Gentile people, and they are, um, they're, so they're not Jewish people here. Paul's kind of saying like, look at these Gentile people. Some of you may not like them, and uh, if you read Colossians, you'll understand why, because there was all this stuff about food and what you eat and don't eat and all that kind of stuff. Well, he's saying, hey, this, this local person, these, some of these locals and, 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 and Luke, they're Gentile people. A lot of you don't like that kind of person. But these people uh, are faithful to the Lord. They are faithful brothers in the Lord. They are walking faithfully with the Lord. He even says of Luke, we've looked at these, uh, uh, but he says he's the beloved physician. He greets you, and he's just you're just reminded of their faithfulness. Onesimus uh, is a, a servant that had run away from his master and now has come back. And uh, again, you're just seeing like all different types of people from different backgrounds in different places, uh, different socioeconomic places, all of that stuff. And Paul is saying, look, look at the oneness of the gospel. Look at the fellowship in the gospel. Look look what's happening in that. Uh, If you go to verses 10 and 11 in this text, you see he speaks of his own kinsmen, Jewish people. So you got Gentile people and Jewish people. So we start out in this list, say hey uh, you see faithfulness the second thing is you see fellowship you see a oneness that comes through the gospel all different types of people some are really high in the culture some very low uh, some Jew some Gentile there's a lot of divisions there a lot of struggles in this early church there and yet what you're seeing is these people are being uh, brought together by the gospel Paul has friends a part of all these groups in the gospel. There's a oneness in that. And some of us may have a struggle with that sometimes in our lives. but But you think in your head, like you understand, one day in heaven, people from every tribe, tongue, and nation will be there, from every socioeconomic level will be there, and they will be gathered together around the throne and, and you will know if you don't know this now those people will there will be a level there there is equality in that they are all united to Christ they stand there re, the redeemed and it's a beautiful thing to see and so you see uh, this going on you you see these three Jewish people so we started with Gentile and now with Jew and it's not it's not a bad thing, I think, just to, to mention this, but to, I, one author said it like this. Um, this shows you that it's not like he's colorblind, but, but it's colorful. That God, God has put together people from all over the world, from all different types of things, Jew and Gentile, and he says all these people with all their distinctions and uniqueness and all that's going on there, the church is beautiful as you see it woven together together With all different types of people, from all different places, they are fellowship. They're in one in this fellowship, even though they are distinct. The third group, or third thing that I would see in this text that kind of helps you understand it, is uh, the idea of forgiveness. That's another area that's in this text. So some of you uh, maybe have a long list of people that you haven't forgiven. And if I said like, "Is there anybody you haven't forgiven?" You might say, "No, I'm good." Be like, well, tell me the worst story that ever happened in your life. And tell me about the worst person. Be like, oh, I can tell you like 10 stories, you know, about people like that, right? Well, here's the thing the idea here in verse 9 of Onesimus, when you're looking at that, remember, there's a letter called the letter to Philemon, who was Onesimus's master, who Paul writes to and says, like, receive this. This one who ran off from you, receive him in the Lord. He's your brother. That's, that's what he says. And so I think just seeing him here, you say, oh, here's a beloved brother, and uh, we're going to learn. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. And so Paul has seen uh, this restoration. So you come to that place where you say, hey, we see the faithfulness, we see fellowship, and we're seeing uh, forgiveness and reconciliation that will come. I would love to hear, you know, I would love to understand that whole story. And then in verse 10b, you see Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, uh, has, um, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Now, just as a reminder for you, if you're, not, if you're new to the Bible, uh, Paul went on a missionary journey. John Mark went with them. And he, like, he headed out. Like somewhere along the way, a day in the journey, second day, I don't know, uh, a long time in the journey, but he decides at some point, like, he's got to go, you know? Like he's like, oh, I forgot I had something on the calendar. I I don't think it was just like that. I think it may have been like, uh, I'm really scared, I've got to go, you know? But what you see is, um, it's not like uh, Mr. Darcy, if you know that, you may not know that that name, but you, you can look it up. But he says, My good opinion once lost is lost forever. With Paul, you, it's not what you're seeing. It, it's, he had certainly lost this, um, you know, his good opinion of him, so much so that he and Barnabas in the second, like their second missionary journey, like split. But ultimately, through time. Uh, it appears Barnabas was right and Paul kind of wasn't in a good place but ultimately there's a restoration that takes place so much so he says if Mark shows up like you, you welcome him you know he's somebody that you need in your life he's a faithful steward now later in 2 Timothy at the end of Paul's life you know what he says Timothy send John Mark I need him like he is a great blessing to me. Right as he's saying, I fought the good fight, I finished the course, I have kept the faith. S- send him. Send him. So what you see is this release gospel-centered relationships are ones where restoration is normal. Forgiveness is normal. It's a beautiful thing to see. The gospel has the power to mend the risks between men. God delights in doing that. And you kind of think, oh, my goodness, look at the redeeming grace. This fourth one, and I would have never thought of it this particular way, but he says, as does Demas. Do you all see that in the text? When you look at that, that verse there, where, when he says, as does Demas, Demas is one of those where Paul has commended him here But later at the end of Paul's ministry, Paul will say, Demas having deserted me. Demas having loved this present world. And so, in a way you could say, this is fraud. Demas is a counterfeit. This is one of those moments where you're like, man, he was in the list and then he walks away from the people of God. He leaves the people of God. He would be seen as one of the team, a trusted and reliable friend, and yet we see him as a counterfeit. He's a counterfeit. And so it's a frightening thing. I think it's something that you just want to say to yourself, oh, Lord, help me see where I'm at, and may I be found faithful. And so when you're looking over all of these things, you say, you know, I see faithfulness in the ministry. And, uh, to, to one another. Again, I don't think that just means formal, like everybody's a preacher. You know, I just see a faithful group of people walking with the Lord. I see a fellowship that takes people from every tribe, tongue, and nation Gentile people and Jewish people, which the division is so crazy, you're like, I don't think I could really get that fully. I mean, to understand uh, the struggles there. And so I see this fellowship in the gospel where they're united. Uh, these people, it's a beautiful thing to see. Third thing you see is forgiveness. You just, you can see it. You can see these people that uh, would have been at odds at other times and now are being brought together. And the church needs to embrace that. You know, sometimes uh, if you're somebody far away, and or even, I've noticed this with a parent, uh, maybe like there's some kind of reconciliation with spouses, but the parent hasn't figured that out yet. They haven't figured that out yet. So sometimes with maybe this church from long distance away, they know about these rifts, but they haven't figured out yet that things have been made right. They haven't really understood the weight of that. And they need an example to say, you know what, we have issues sometimes too. Notice how these people are being brought back together, how relationships are mended. They need to see that. It's kind of a model for them. And then I think the fourth thing is just to say, like in that, when we say the fraud issue, this issue of fraud, we're saying like, you know what? We know there's counterfeits. We know there are people who do not really stand the test of time of walking faithfully with the Lord. And so in that, I think what one thing would be something like this. A discerning congregation would say, I am not going to listen to every voice. I mean, I, in my life... I do not listen to every voice. I'm trying to discern. Do they know the Word of God? Discern. Are they faithfully walking with the Lord? I'm not listening to every voice. I am trying to discern. Are they a faithful uh, steward of the, the ways and the will of God? Do they walk with the Lord? And I will listen to that. And I want to be close to those who do and I want to keep my distance from those who don't. I know that means I don't pray for somebody, but I'm very careful about who I would listen to with regard to the ways and the will of God. So, I just think it's important to say that, oh, Lord, for us today, say, Lord, make us faithful, cause us to be united together in one fellowship, truly united, Uh, let us be quick to forgive, and let us be careful to be discerning, that we know what is not right when it's not right. And, and that, that'll be helpful. And so Colossians has been an amazing book to help us square those things up, and I hope it's been a blessing to you. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your, the good news, for the faithfulness of those who have gone before us, for the examples that they have set, for the fellowship that they had. We pray we would always be united together in the gospel that we would, even if we disagree on some things, that we would love and treasure one another as we hold fast to our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray when we offend each other that we would forgive and also pray, Lord, that we would be discerning, that we know that there's false things out there, false gospels out there, false converts out there. And so we just pray that we would only listen to those who model and mirror that that we can uh, strive together with in the gospel.